All right, great. So welcome. Our next presenter today, we have all the way from Hawaii, uh, who is joining us. You may have seen this gentleman on TV. You may have seen him in a movie. I know I look for every time I go to a movie, I'm always like, oh, hey, there's Steven. <laughs> so, you know, it's always a pleasant surprise. He's been in uh, Widows. I'm going to ask him some more stuff that he's been in, um, some independent stuff. But most most recently, you've seen him uh, on CBS, I want to get that right, it's CBS, right? CBS is Magnum P.I., the reboot. He stars as T.C. So I want to welcome Stephen Hill to the show, uh, to the Reset 2020 uh, Virtual Summit. Thanks for joining us, man. Thank you for having me, brother. Absolutely. So uh, we want to uh, get right into it, Stephen. We want to, first of all, um, you know, I'm going to let you tell our people, Run, run down some of your resume because, you know, I try to talk about all the time. You know, I know people. Right. So, you know, run down your resume. Let them know some of the things you uh, they may have caught you in um, and, and some of the things that maybe you have um, coming up as well. Um, uh, so things people most recently may have seen me in um, uh, Law and Order. Done a couple of episodes of that. Uh, Blue Bloods. Uh, I did a, a series on. A limited series on Netflix called uh, Maniac um, with uh, Emmy Stone and Jonah Hill. Uh, you also probably saw me on Widows and, um, of course, Magnum P.I. I even did an episode of, um, of uh, Hawaii Five-O as well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So we want to talk about now, for those uh, who, who don't know, uh, we're going to have a lot of Hamptonians gracing the stage today, uh, Hampton University uh, in Virginia. So Stephen and I both went to HU. Uh, so we want to take it back to there, man, because I, I want to. We want the reason we're here. We want to talk about resetting your passion. If we talk about reset 2020, we're talking to people about we're, we're expressing different areas of our lives and how uh, we just want to reset. And, and again, not start talking about starting over, but just kind of you know getting back to it, you know, kind of coming back home to what it is that, um, you know, moves us in our lives. So I want to talk to you about passion because, you know, acting is something that, you know, you may have a skill for acting, you may have a talent, but you also really, when you're talking about becoming a professional, you've got to have a passion for that. You know, it's got to be something that you, you, you love and a burning desire to do because it's not an easy uh, thing to get into and to make a career out of. So I want to uh, talk to you because I don't, necessarily remember when we were in school you being an actor i don't i'm not saying you weren't i just don't remember so so what what when did the acting bug hit you what was your goal when you started at hampton was it to become an actor what what was uh, your, your journey back then actually um i wanted to be a director okay I, I was very much so um uh affected by spike lee films i love spike lee films i love the it was like that era of black filmmaking where Spike Lee, John Singleton, you know, they were kind of running, running the, the game at that point. Uh, you know, we had films like Love Jones back then, uh, Do the Right Thing, you know what I mean? Like all, actually, the big one for me was maybe uh, Mo' Better Blues, you know? So when I was in high school, I was like, how do I become that? How do I become a director? And uh, one of the things I heard was to, you know, uh, pursue cinema photography. So I, I'd love to take photos. So I said, okay, maybe if you have to do cinematography. And I saw that Hampton, I, want, I knew I wanted to go to an HBCU. My best friend's father was uh, our football, high school football coach. 
uh, uh, Tyrone Belford Sr. He was also our um, African-American studies professor. And uh, he's, he's a Q as well. And I remember he used to tell us, like, you guys got to go to HBCU, man. You ain't going to get that opportunity to be around those positive black folks like that in any other time in your life. And he was right. So I knew I wanted to go to HBCU. And um, I, I applied to Hampton because my homegirl, Shay Bright, she actually ran track for Hampton. Um, and uh, she's Oddly enough, she is now a count, guidance counselor at the high school, but she came back from one of those college trips and she was like, oh my God, Hampton University was the, the most beautiful school. You have to go to Hampton. And so, I, you know, I applied, that was actually, I was kind of lazy in high school, so I applied to only Hampton. That was it. <laughs> so luckily, they, uh, they accepted me and um, they had cinematography. It was one of the few schools, black schools that had cinematography. So I was like, all right, cool. And then I get to Hampton and they were like, oh, you had an old booklet. We haven't had cinematography for six years. <laughs> I was like, what? And you know, you look at that campus, man. And then that ratio, they, they were, you couldn't get me to leave Hampton. Right, you're gonna find a reason to stay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I stayed and um, uh, I took uh, photography classes and mass media. That was my way of combining and somehow still getting uh, getting behind the camera. But then I started doing all the fashion shows. I know you remember that. Yeah, I definitely remember that. Yeah, absolutely. So I started doing all the fashion shows, and then I was working uh, another Hamptonian, um, uh, Stephen Kavanagh. He had a he had a store called Inner Zone that was like mm -hmm. right outside the mall, and I started working there because I needed to work somewhere because I had a car. And I told my mom, I was like, "There's no way." They say you can't have a car till junior year. There's no way right. I'm gonna be paying payment for a car that I can't drive. So I'm coming down there with my car. Right. So uh, I needed a job. So I worked there and Ralph Reynolds from RP55 would come into the store all the time. I was like, yo man, you gotta let me, you gotta let me uh, model for you, man. You gotta let me model for you. And I don't think he really took me serious until uh, one day at Second Street Pub or Cafe it was. Um, these girls uh, at Hampton, they started a little modeling agency called uh, The Urge. Okay. And um, we did a fashion show for them. And he was there. And he was like, yo, they loved you. I was right. like, I told you, man. This is Trying what I tell you. Right. You know what I mean? And then, uh, so he was like, all right, all right. I'm going to call you. I'm going to give you a call. And like two weeks later, he was like, yo, you ready? This weekend, we're going to take some pictures. So I was like, all right, cool. We took the photos. And I, he had me up in the Vibe and the Source, wow. Double XL. You know, I was in all these magazines. I didn't get make, I didn't make no money. He gave me a hundred dollars and and took me to uh, Burger King. <laughs> that was my payment. But you know, when you're in college and you're in the Source magazine, it's a it's a cool trade off. So right, right, right. Uh, yeah, that was how I got in front of the camera. And then when I graduated, I came back to New York, and modeling wasn't cutting the mustard for me. And then my mother passed away, and uh, I was like, you know what? I want to try something else, man, because this is not it. And acting gave me an outlet to kind of deal with the death of my mom, and mm -hmm. you know, and I, I I've been doing it ever since. Wow. Now, now, so when you got started, uh, first of all, you know, I I lost my mom at a young age too, so I understand how how that will both motivate you and kind of have you questioning everything at the same time, you know, really. Um, oh but also kind of helps you focus. Well, for me, I'm speaking for myself. It also helped me focus on what was really important and kind of helped me to um, weed through 
things that didn't matter, the, the kind of the noise that we, we, the distractions we allow to kind of get in the way, uh, some of the excuses, you know, we're like, listen, because it kind of, that, that clock starts ticking in your head. So I think, look, I, I don't have, you know, I, I've got to go for this now. So um, mm -hmm. that's what that did for me when you talk, when you talk about pursuing your passion, pursuing your dreams. Um, but, but I know for you, so when you got started, I mean, you know, how, how was that journey? Cause I know I read in your bio somewhere, you, you were selling copiers for a while, right? So, I mean, yeah. So you, you're, you're trying to, your dreams of being a, um, a, a, a big time actor or director. Uh, but at, at some point you also had to go and hold down a nine to five job. And I think a lot of people uh, are, are dealing with that where they're like, you know, the older we get, they're like, listen, dreams are for the young people. Dreams are for, you know, someone else. I've got yeah. responsibilities and I try to teach people how to go out there and really create businesses uh, without having to quit their jobs as well. You know, so talk to us about your journey and that, um, that time frame when you were like you know you're pursuing it but you know brother got to eat right yeah yeah well you know you know they say it, it takes a village man and um you know at the time my my uh girlfriend in uh college uh Aaron Stroger um she uh you know she got out of school and she went straight to work at uh at Goldman Sachs oh, right wow. so I was like wow you know you're just gonna come right out the <laughs> You know, and, and it's funny because in college, I remember, I remember thinking, you know, we would go to the uh, to the library and we would look for jobs or whatever. And the only jobs I was applying to was hundred thousand and up, mm -hmm. right? And wow. then then I had to like drop the search down to like eighty grand, right? Because you know, you just have this idea. You're invincible, of, right? Yeah, what you gonna do when you right. get out of school? So, um, I had a. Uh, interviewed at like Eli Lilly. That was, those are the only places that actually said you can make like 80,000 or up or whatever, right? Where like the pharmaceutical or right. sales. Right. Um, and I remember uh, Aaron's aunt, after me sitting on the couch for like seven months when I came back to New York after graduation, she uh, she got me an interview at um, at Xerox. And, uh, you know, I had that, that little interview and they, 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 they brought me on board and I was there for about three and a half years before I actually left to pursue acting. But in the interim of being there, I went like, so I was on 46 and Park. And then I walked across um, to uh, Restaurant Row on 46 between 8th and 9th. And there, there used to be uh, B. Smith's Restaurant. I know they have one down in D.C. Mm -hmm. But it used to have one in D.C. Yeah, it used to. Yeah, used to. Yeah, she recently passed away. But um it was B Smith's and that was the first restaurant gig I ever had. And uh, so I, I worked there and I worked, I worked there. I was taking acting classes, working at, um, at Xerox and working at, at B Smith's wow. all at the same time to kind of see like, can I actually pay my rent working at a restaurant? I don't know. Right. right you know, right. And then when I, when I found out that I, I could make enough to at least pay my rent, I, um, I ended up leaving Xerox and, uh, you know, you know, it was, uh, it was a, it was a mutually beneficial thing for me to leave Xerox because it got down to a point where I was only going on. Auditions. They were going to get rid of you didn't have, if you didn't walk out the door, you walk out on your own volition or with security. <laughs> well, you know, and we're going to get deeper into the acting, but I want to talk to you real quick because you talked about you left Xerox, the corporate job, working at, um, at, at B Smith's. Cause you had a dream cause you had a passion you're pursuing. Now, like I said earlier, we went to Hampton. So I understand the pressure 
of when someone comes at hey homecoming hey Stephen what you up to yeah I'm 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 waiting tables at the restaurant like how, what tell me about that like because you know that pressure but you know what you're going after so what was it like at that time when you had like I'm walking away from this because I'm pursuing this job but you got the outside pressure and 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 talk to us about how you dealt with that I think we got to let go of that kind of pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just recently talking to somebody and they were like, yo, remember? Like, I think this actually, this wasn't even uh, us reflecting on something. This was somebody saying like, oh man, I got to go to, we trying to go to homecoming. I got to get right. I can't go. Mm. Right. I got I to gotta make sure my outfit is right. If not, I can't go. Right. And it's like, what? You know, <laughs> it's right. like, wait a minute. Like the school started with, with, former slaves, wow. you know, trying to, that had never been able to even read, like, you know, so we went from a, from a place in this country where we weren't allowed to read. And now we're not going to a higher institution of, uh, of learning because we don't have a good out, a nice outfit, right? like wow. craziness, you know? So I think we, we, we have to let go of that because, uh, um, it, it really actually holds us back and, the um the dream is not necessarily money you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. when, it's, when it's all said and done you're not at you know you're not gonna but right before you get in your casket like hold on let me count my money let me right, see right, how right. much time in my lifetime oh i did pretty good and then lay down and die you know what i mean right. it doesn't really work that way you know and people you know at a funeral everybody talks about your, your stories you know how you impacted them you know absolutely so, um, i remember once um, being at b smith's and uh, this girl Tiffany, I won't say which one. There's a million Tiffany, <laughs> a thousand of them, right? You know who she is if she's listening to this. I remember, uh, and we kind of talked a little bit at Hampton, um, and I don't know if maybe she was still a little salty about that or whatever. Who knows? But I know that she um, she came in to be Smiths, and she acted like I didn't exist. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Wow. I'm like, yo, I'm getting you your your your, your rolls or right, whatever. Right, the hell. Right the swamp thing but um she uh yeah she acted like she didn't know me and i was just like damn that that was a tough day that was that was a tough one you know Mm -hmm. and i've had some very humbling jobs along the way one time i had to work i was working at uh at pizzeria uno you know what i mean (laughs) like so so you know right before literally months before i booked this job i was working at um at carmine's on 44th street right wow. in uh Times square you know uh slinging slinging spaghetti and meatballs you know but i made good money yeah. you know what i mean and I, I had an opportunity to keep pursuing my dream so i think i think we got to let go of that like trying to impress one another in that kind of way like who cares man like i 100 agree man i think that that is one of the biggest things that keeps our pe- people in general but definitely our people locked from fulfilling our full potential and you use the word i'm uh you know i, I love impact you know it's it's um when, when we die it's about that joy man it's about the joy that we lived out the fulfillment we had in our lives and the impact that we had on other people's lives and, and a paycheck doesn't always uh, uh bring that you know but when you can say how listen I, I know why i'm doing what i'm doing and we can say once we can that this is again something i talk about going back about when I lost my mom, I was like, you know what? What people think about me and see and say doesn't matter as much anymore because I know that there's a purpose. So I don't, I, I get rid of all that. Don't worry about it. I'm not held to all that, uh, those standards that people think that we should have and be held up to because you know what you're pursuing. So 
that that's uh you know great great points you made there uh so let's talk about the journey man because you didn't just come out the door and say all right today is their rocks tomorrow i'm on magnum pi so uh yeah, you know not. it took me about 16, 17 years wow so 17 years uh, did you start in what plays or indie, indie film or uh talk to us about how, how that journey started for you yeah i actually did um i started doing plays uh, you know, a cool, really cool story of how, you know, people say, you know, why should I go to college or why should I go to whatever? It's really about the connections that you make, you know, and uh, besides learning how to also like send a memo and, and draft a proper letter and, you know, mm -hmm. those, those good things that you learn. But uh, uh, the connections that you make, and there was a brother at Hampton, his name is Dana Hubbard. I think he's still at Hampton right now. He's, uh, Dana, yeah. yeah. So Dana, Dana, you know, little do people know was at one point he was the mascot. He was the, the Hampton oh, wow. pirate. You know what I mean? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Dana had, Dana was, you know, he worked on Malcolm X and a bunch of other stuff. You see him as one of the brothers walking by Malcolm X, you know what I mean? Um, outside of the jail, the, 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 the courthouse or the jail, jailhouse. And, um, I remember he had an event and me and Nikki Bates, Nicholas Bates, we had our own little like film thing called the Danger Brothers. Now he, he does it on his own now, but that was where the brothers and Danger Brothers came from. Okay. It was both of us, we, we, we wanted to be directors. And uh, he's, he's still doing it behind the camera, which is dope. Uh, but Dana brought us on board to help him behind the scenes with a with a, an event he called Hampton come uh, Hollywood comes to Hampton Roads and so all his Hollywood friends he would come and it was at the airspace museum and it was like some sort of you know fundraising event or whatever and uh I remember we were just running around you know moving tables and chairs and and setting up decorations and stuff but he stopped me and he was like hey man you know you have you have star demeanor I'm gonna work with you one day. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. At the time, I was just doing fashion shows. I didn't know that, you know, I wasn't about acting at all. And uh, he was like, all right, now, can you go get that table? You know what I mean? And I was like, all right, cool. Like, I ain't think nothing of it. And then years later, really the first play that I can count that was like an actual performance and, you know, other than me just reading the script uh, was with him. He cast me as the lead of his play called uh, uh, Every Dog Has His Day. And we did it at the Dole Center in Mount Vernon. And we had like five shows or something like that. And, you know, I, I went from never doing a play before to being a lead in a play. And it was not an easy performance. It was really, really difficult, but we knocked it out of the park. And um, I got to thank him for, the, for that opportunity. Wow. Now, uh, so going to the film uh, side of it because uh you know so you've done it you've done plays you've done film you, now you're doing tv I'm trying to think is there anything else that's out there after that but uh in front of the camera so so when it comes to the film like talk to us about because i have a lot of friends who who act and you know and no matter what you do once you're in a movie it's like yeah look watch me i'm in a movie and sometimes you may see something and be like wait was that them you know you went what was that really them was that that person so talk yeah. to us about the life of being the extra, but you got <laughs> screen time uh, to eventually, because I think in Widows, 
um, you you had some you 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 were in a, I wouldn't call you an extra. I mean, you had some speaking parts in that as well. You know, you had a role in that one. But well, um, I made that role bigger than it was supposed to be. So we're gonna get to that. I'm gonna ask you how you did that. That's good. I'm gonna ask you how you did that. So let's talk about that role. So so going from just somebody on set, third man walking by, <laughs> to yeah. supporting cast. Um, so talk about that that time period of going through this and saying, listen. You know, you know, what, what is your mindset with it, with that? Do you feel like you're getting closer? How do you judge whether or not this is working or not to being part of the crew and making your role bigger than it is? So talk to us about all that right there. That's, that's good stuff. Okay. Um, so basically for me, you know, it was plays, you know, and I, I, I personally didn't have a desire to, um, you know, be a Broadway actor right, to do plays, mm -hmm. and the only thing I do is plays, you know, because I just know so many people that do that, and they are absolutely brilliant, but they don't really necessarily, it doesn't reflect in their paycheck, right, you know, right. where somebody could do a, a, a commercial, I'll give you an example, and, you know, you know, nobody ever talks numbers, but I think we got to kind of get, that's another thing we got to learn to get around, you know, right. um, so we know what we work with here, right, so just to give you guys an example, I did like some Febreze commercials. It was like a set of like three or four. It was supposed to be like seven spots, but it ended up being like two. Um, and, you know, I made upwards of like 40 grand to not even say nothing. Wow. Right. Wow. And then me and uh, Dennis, Dennis A. Allen, um, also a Hamptonian, he wrote a really dope play called uh, Manhood. And I played the lead in that. Um, and I went straight from, I literally left the job at Carmine's, did Dennis's play. And then a few, a few months later, I booked, uh, Magnum PI, wow. but, um, Dennis's play, I made like a thousand dollars and we did it at the, uh, National Black Theater in Harlem. Uh, it was actually the lady that just started that. It was her birthday the other day. She passed on Dr. Barbara Ann Tier, but, um, uh, we did his play. And you talk about a month's worth of work. Mm. In the play, the mm. character cuts his penis off and smashes his own penis. You what? know, <laughs> yeah, it, I'll let Dennis explain that play to you, but it was really intense. good. But you can imagine how intense that was. Mm -hmm. And I made about $1,000. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, but you can do a commercial and not say a word, only be in it for two seconds and make 40 grand. You know what I mean? But which one actually do you learn to act? Right, which one do you right. get good at your craft? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's almost like doing those plays are like going to college. And I, I could almost say I went to, N, to NYU or Columbia, right. you know, because I've done a number of uh, student films. So student films, uh, web series, um, and then commercials that keep you afloat, you know, mm -hmm. make you be able to pay your rent, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but those are the things that I was doing that like prepared me to get in front of the camera. And I started, you know, with this little resume and I, I had it like quadruple spaced, you know, <laughs> and I had like, you know, instead of putting an extra, I would put like featured extra just okay. to make it sound a little good. Like, so hey, power words. they wanted me to stand in front of the line, you know right, what I mean? Right. Stand in front of the line, you know? So, you know, I've done stuff that it, I'm not credited in. So talk to us about how you 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 made your role bigger because I also what um I was saw another actor I can't remember his name because I didn't see the movie but he was talking about a movie that he was in he had one role and one line 
and he just made it bigger and then he ended up being like the star supporting per I wish I could remember which movie that was. I just saw it this year, but um the 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 interview. So talk to us about how, how you did that. Like how'd you go in and say, Okay, this is cool, but what if we do this? Or, or, or if that's even how it happened. Well, you know, doing all those student films um and web series is such a collaborative effort that that's like just what I know. You know, I know collaboration. I know, you know, regardless of whoever the director is, somebody like a Spike Lee, I, I think you, I would probably have to really earn being a collaborator with him. You know, you gotta be already, you know, Spike, you know, he, he gets the credit for finding people sometimes, but a lot of times, you know, Denzel Washington, uh, uh, Wesley Snipes, those dudes were already huge when he started working with them. You know what I mean? So, or at least bigger names. Right. But, um, so somebody like him, you know, I doubt if I would be able to get away with like, yo, what do you think about this line or that, you know, that's, but um, Steve McQueen and Widows, he was open to it. And I think, I, you know, besides just already having, you know, a career that allowed me to be a collaborator up to that point, um, you know, Daniel, Daniel Kaluuya, the brother from Get Out that was also in that movie, um, you know, he's African by way of, of London, England, you know what I mean? So, you know, he's playing this, this dude from Chicago. Now I'm not from Chicago, but I'm from New York. Right. And it's like, it, I'm American, right. you know, right. I'm, I'm American. So I'm, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to be African American and then also be Chicagoan. Right. You know what gotcha. I mean? I'm just trying to be Chicago, like a brother from Chicago, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm like, when, whenever I get to a, uh, a city, I, I start researching the, the town and the vernacular and some of the things that, that they're into. And one of the best places to learn is in a, on your Uber rides. Ah, you know, okay. Talk to the Uber driver. You know, you get that one that has good uh, conversation mm -hmm. or whatever. You know, and I, I was coming from the airport and, I, and I, there was a scene in the movie where my character, as written in the script, it says, get him. I go, get him, right? Like the typical line, right? right, right. Uh, I asked the sister, she was about 20, early 20s. And I said, what would you do if you wanted to whoop somebody's ass? Right. And she was like, well, somebody start tweaking. Right. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. If somebody start tweaking. I hadn't even heard tweaking at that point. Right. right. And then so she was like, gee, I let them know they, they're about to get a two piece spicy, spicy, no biscuit, no drink because they mouth finna be dry. And I was like, what? I got to put that in the mood. Oh my right. God. Right? So I, I didn't even have to write it down. It was so outrageous. Right. So, you know, we go through the uh, rehearsal. For this fight scene, it's like one camera move, you know, the whole the whole thing and the breakaway walls and all of this stuff. So I'm like, oh man, I only got one shot at this one. And I had already talked to Steve about some other scenes mm -hmm. prior that we kind of changed around and threw in a couple of lines here and there. And so this particular day, I said, Steve, um, I got I got something for you besides this get him. He said, oh, okay, what is it, my brother? Right. And I'm like, <laughs> Um, so instead of get him, I want to say, get that motherfucker a two-piece spicy, no biscuit. And he was like, what? Right. And then right at the time he said that the, the wardrobe girl was walking by. She was like, hell yeah, that's what we say. 
Yeah. Right? So, yeah, yeah. Thank you, sister. Thank you. And then he goes, okay, use it. So wow. in that scene, it's very small, but it's way bigger than Get Him. Right, and I right, said, right. get him on for the two-piece spice, you know, biscuit. And then we start beating this dude down. You know what I'm saying? I remember, <laughs> so I remember uh, that, yeah. Wow, wow, you know? That's cool. So you're a writer, too. So you you write scripts. There you go. I mean, I always get ad lib. I ad lib all the time. You know what I'm Good. saying? So I want to take it uh, in a few minutes we have left. I want to take us now to uh, Magnum PI because this is major, man. I, remember, I do remember when this was coming out and you were talking about um, you you were you. I guess you were signed that check, signed the contract because that's when you told everybody. Um, yeah, yeah. And this is what uh, you got renewed for third season, right? This is on season. Yeah, two? we just got third season. Okay, so uh -huh. so talk to us about that because now you're on major network TV, man. Every week on people's mm -hmm. television stations, so. Talk to us about the the difference. First of all, you're living in Hawaii, so I mean that's got to be nice. But you know, talk about now. Uh, you know that you you are at the level where now you are on you know major TV. You got a, a, a big time show. Um, you know, talk to us about that transition and, and what it feels like after you set 17 years to uh, be a quote unquote overnight success, if you will. So you know. Give us some yeah. insights and feedback on where you are mentally with, with this whole situation where it is now. Um, a good segue from what I was saying about uh, ad-libbing. I ad-lib all the time on Magnum, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, because, you know, it's just, I, I don't, I'm not sure if there's a lot of, uh, there's one sister that's like kind of like the Afro-Latina, you know, the writers are awesome, but, you know, I come in with a blackness that mm -hmm. not not as, is not easily written right um so you know we don't have the black we don't have blackish writers gotcha, you know what I mean? gotcha. we have writers for our show which is awesome but it's not a black show right. you know what I'm saying? so um i come in with a lot of ad libs and one of the most recent ones was a hampton university ad lib because uh, behind the scenes i was able to have the conversation that my character attended Hampton University. You know, they, they wanted me to, they, they were they were writing me in as a Grambling student mm -hmm. um, because I believe the old TC and the old show might have gone to Grambling. And I was just like, uh, I will never be able to talk about going to homecoming. Right, never right, mind right. a good pair of shoes or whatever. Imagine I went back to Hampton and my character was a Grambling right, student. Got that Grambling like, jersey on. <laughs> I can't right. do that. So um, uh, I had the conversation and now, Reestablished in second season that uh, uh, my character TC, aka Theodore Calvin, um, is a Hampton grad. But um, yeah, the transition from going from uh, Carmine's to uh, or just grinding it out in in, in New York as as an actor and, and literally driving all over the country and flying all over over the country for years, going to different film festivals like this one. Black Star Film Festival. There you go. This is one of my favorite ones, man. Uh, ADFF, Black Star. Uh, got a shout out. Um, Pan African, uh, Gary Indiana, Black Film Festival. You know, there's a lot of really dope film festivals. Urban World, if anybody's looking for talent and looking for, you know, you always hear black folks say, you know, oh, how come we ain't do this kind of movie? How come we don't, how come they don't make movies like this? And how come we always got to be the drug dealer? And how come we always got to be prostitutes? Right. How, 
we only got the big got the back. <laughs> You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, go to some of these film festivals where the tickets are cheaper than going to a movie. You know, for $10, you know, you can see a lot of unknown talent, you know, mm. but people don't realize that, like, that marketing budget counts, and we go see what we're mark what's marketing to us. Right, absolutely. You know? Film festivals don't have that kind of budget, so we have to be proactive in uh, supporting these festivals. So... I've always supported the festivals. It's harder now for me to do it because I'm all the way in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, but I still, whenever I can, I'm repping. You know That's what I'm good. saying? So, um, uh, so the transition is still happening. It's, it's kind of, you know, I don't really, sometimes I'm like, I look out at this view and I'm like, Jesus, man, like, how did I get here? But then it's very isolating, mm -hmm. you know? It feels kind of lonely. It would be different if I were maybe in L.A. or New York. But being here by myself and having this, it's like, I made it, y'all. And you look around, like, wait a minute, where's everybody at? Yeah, like, yeah, right, right, right. Oh, I, got, I got the gold bar. Like, But then you sit there and you can't do nothing with it. You know what I'm saying? So right, right. I, I, um, that's why you probably see me on social media more than I should be because that's my outlet back to the world, you mm -hmm. know? I'm just sitting in my my castle like Rapunzel, you know what I mean, <laughs> by myself. You know what I mean. Right. But uh, yeah, the, the the transition is is a strange one, but it's nice to be able to look out for people, your family. Um, I just did for uh, Juneteenth. Um, a friend of mine, Lyndon, who just I think he's announcing the names today. Uh, he did three of my reels, and when I got here, the showrunner said he loved my reel, said it was excellent. Um, and uh, I told my editor of my reel that, and I told him, I was like, yo, man, um, how much you charging for reels these days, you know? And I was like, you know what? Let's let's sponsor someone. Um, I want to pay for somebody's reel for Juneteenth. And then um, we decided, uh, since he did three three of my reels, I'm, a, I'm sponsoring three reels, so I just, uh, just executive produce three people's reels to pay it forward. That's awesome, uh, man. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, we announced that today on on Facebook, actually. So um, looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah transition man. is difficult, man. But you know, I would just tell anybody that's gonna do it, get prayed up, pray, mm -hmm. because you know people will fall out of your life, mm -hmm. right? Prove a point to you. You know, they'll fall out of your life just to be like, oh, he, oh I'm going to diss him before he think he could diss me. Jeez, you know, yeah. you'll find falling out of wayside. And then other people will come in and try to, you know, chum up to you, you mm -hmm. know. So, you know, you, you really have to work on your, your spirit of discernment and you got to get prayed up. And just know that, like, you know, other people, just random people will come out of nowhere and they'll always have a drink to shove in your hand. You know, <laughs> you know I, I've, I've never done any drugs. I've never smoked weed at all. Right. Nothing. Never you had either. a gum. Never, you know, nothing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I remember one day I'm sitting around, you know, we had like an after hour spot and I'm looking around. I'm like, this is a seedy joint. Like, what, what am I doing in here? Right. And I turn to the left, and there is somebody is like this close to my number. Whoa, dude! Wow. Like, nah, wow. man, that's not me, bro. Wow. I don't do that, bro. You know what I mean? Right. So 
I would just tell people, anybody that's like looking to make it, just know you got to like strengthen yourself against that sort of mm -hmm. thing because it will unnaturally, it will be there every day if you want it. We see, we, that will take you down. Yeah, we see it happen to so many stars. You just wonder like how they – how does it happen? But like I say, it's just it's just everywhere. It's everywhere. The last question I want to ask you, I'm never told them what I just said. You're right, right. Now they know. Now they know. Now they know. Before we go, I want to um ask you one more question and let you close us out. I mean, so let's get to the superficial stuff. I mean, are you are you famous? Can you go out now? Because I mean, I'm, I'm assuming when you were working here at the uh, bees, you know, you could still go out. Nobody knew who Stephen Hill was. Now, I mean. You know, you have, have you been on TMZ yet, Stephen? I mean, what's going on? Oh, I hope I hope I don't get on TMZ. I don't want to be on TMZ. Yeah, I mean, some, sometimes it's good stuff. You know, That's right? You... I'm trying to avoid that. You sometimes know? they got good uh, stuff on there. Sometimes, sometimes, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I um, I've I have no no problems. And people, you know, it's it's interesting. To, I'm on the beach like every day, and every, and a couple of people were like, oh, TC. Is uh -huh. You know, and yesterday I ran into some people and uh, it was about three or four of them. And, they, and one of them said he actually did some extra work on the show. And um, they all prayed over me. Good. They were like, like, yeah, we walk around and we pray for people and stuff. You know, it was kind of like a church group or whatever. Right. And they just prayed over me, which was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I uh, I don't have any problem with that, you know. And, and I think I think part of that is... One, there's no advertising here. Oh, you know, okay. there's no boards here at all. If you come to Hawaii, it's only trees and and beautiful, beautiful views. You know, you don't, you can't, you don't, you won't look outside and be like, oh, that's coming to HBO next month. Oh, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean. They don't have that. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but they do. Uh, they do kind of have a thing here where they just like, I don't know if it's. If it's my complexion or what, sometimes they have a thing where they don't, they, you know, don't want you to think you're special. You know what I'm saying? So they kind of like, I don't get, I don't even watch the show. You got know that you, sort of thing. You. If I had more money, like people that say they don't watch the show here, I would make more money. But if they gave me a dollar for that, then if they, you know, then would I actually get paid to be on the show? You know. Wow. But uh, I think because I'm not in LA, I'm not in New York. Um, and that's not really the culture here. I was, I walk around, you know, there's a Whole Foods in my building. I go down there every day. You know, some people know me from the show. Some people know me as that dude that's in Whole Foods every day. Right. You know, so I, I, like I don't know. Uh, worlds for you. I don't, yeah, yeah, I do. I got it good, man. Good. I got it good. <laughs> well, I want you to go ahead and give me any final words, man. Uh, tell people how they can follow and support you. Any final last words help people resetting their passion for 2020. I definitely appreciate you. Uh, sharing this time with us today. Yeah, um, anybody listening, man, I know we're in some trying times, man, and, and you know, not everybody is as fortunate as I am right now to just be able to go to the beach every day, that sort of thing. But I have a, uh, a profound reinvigoration of wanting to be in shape, you know? So it started with just walking, you know, if you can get out and just walk, you know, uh, um, and, and get your supplements up and try to get your immune system up, uh, I would encourage anybody to do that. And, um, you know, again, stay prayed up. 
And uh, you can find me on the show on uh, Magnum PI, the CBS uh, app. You can watch two seasons almost. Well, actually, just, well, yeah, you can watch two whole seasons of television. You know, we got about 40 episodes. Um, and my character is extremely um, positive. Uh, I'm basically a superhero. I own my own business. I am a youth league coach. I, uh, I am uh, ex-military. I'm saving the day all the time, flying helicopters, beating up bad guys, doing all the good stuff. And you could do it while watching it with your young, young ones, or you can watch it with your middle-aged ones and everybody will be entertained. So please tune in and tell some folks. And when you have the conversation, I feel like we have the conversation outside of like CBS, you know, or the, the Magnum P.I. fan page and things like that. Mm-hmm. But have those conversations there, let them know uh, that you like the, the character. Absolutely. Steven, thank you so much, man. I wish you continued success in everything that you do, brother. Always proud of you and uh, definitely going to keep supporting you and look forward to seeing you uh, at one of these homecomings whenever we're able to go back outside. <laughs> thank you, brother. Thank you. And Stephen Hill Axe is my um, my handles. And it's P- as you see on the screen, it's P-H-S-T-E-P-H-E-N Hill Axe. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. This was dope, man.